All right, we are going to be in the book of Hebrews this morning. So did you know, does God like coffee or tea? Why, how do you know that? It's in the Bible. I just gave it to you. Sarah Davis would know this question. I just gave it to you. Mary Beth, I was just trying to give you a lob, you know. I was trying to give you a lob, you know, so you could just hit it. All right. Uh, all right. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. There we go. That's pretty borderline to a bad dad joke, but was it? Yes. <laughs> We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to do a few messages, like three or four messages out of the book of Hebrews, and then after Labor Day... We're looking at a Friends Sunday, I think on the 11th is what we're kind of tentatively looking at. I think, I hope that's right. Uh, I think the 4th, yeah, so 4 plus 7 is 11, so there we go. We're looking at 11, it's kind of like a Friend Day where you can invite uh, friends and family um, just kind of after Labor Day there, and maybe... Um, we do have people that come to the Discovery Clubs and Youth, but the parents don't come, so we want to get the whole family in. So that'll be kind of a focus. We're looking right now at the 11th, and then we're going to shift uh, after that. We're going to shift to studying the book of Acts, looking at the church in motion, all right? I think the church really needs to get back to what God has called it to do, uh, getting out into the communities and taking the message of Christ uh, to people. Um, and so we see that in the book of Acts. They take it from this cluster of believers that get saved on the day of Pentecost. And, you know, 3,000 isn't a real small group, right? That's a pretty good group. I take 3,000 on Sunday morning. All right. But then it grows from then we see 5,000. And then God says, you know what? I want the word of God to go beyond Jerusalem. And so then we see persecution hit the church. Yay. Right. And it would think, you would think that was a bad thing, but God used the persecution to get the believers to go out to other places and take the message of the cross there. And so, um, so we're going to look at the book of Acts, but today we're in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews um, is an interesting book. Um, it is written to Hebrew believers that had become followers of Christ. So a lot of them would have been what we would call Jewish or Judaism, okay? So that was kind of... A, the groundwork before Christ's coming, all right? Now, there's some in the Jewish that would still call themselves Jewish, and they still hold on to the teachings of the Old Testament and the Torah, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? Um, there are some that have, they're called Messianic Jews that have adopted that, but a lot of them haven't. They're still looking for the Messiah, all right? All right, and so what we see in the book of Hebrews is that these believers, uh, some had faced persecution, death, confiscation of their property, um, even death in their allegiance to Christ. And so that's reflected in the book of Hebrews, but also the book of Acts. And then if you look at the history books, you'll see that as well. Uh, we don't know who the book, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is, okay? So not, not a huge deal, but a lot of them we do. Uh, there's only a few books that we don't know who the author was, and Hebrews is one of them. Uh, some think it was Paul, but it really doesn't align with his several 13 other epistles, letters. Um, so maybe Apollos, we, we find out about him in the book of Acts. Maybe Priscilla, all right? So in a day and age where 
Um, women kind of were in that back seat. Priscilla was actually, what we can gather, was actually the teacher and worked. Uh, Priscilla and her husband Aquila were helping Paul out in his missionary journeys. And so maybe Priscilla wrote it. Maybe Philip or Peter or Silas are some of the other names that are thrown out there. Bottom line, we don't know for sure. But this author had a great knowledge of the Old Testament. And so I like the, like the book of Hebrews because it has a good understanding of the Old Testament and how then Jesus then fulfilled what was written in the Old Testament. Okay, And so it kind of like a tapestry behind what Christ would do. Um, it really helps to fill in the gaps there. So they knew their Old Testament theology and they also knew what Christ came to do. So the book of Hebrews begins with a concern for these believers because they were in jeopardy of drifting away from their hope, their salvation, and the truth that they had come to believe. All right? They were in danger of drifting away. So I've entitled the message, Adrift. They were were in danger of drifting away because they were discouraged due to the hardship and their persecution. All right? Uh, that they were facing. They were being tempted to throw away their faith and their hope in Christ. Um, Difficult times cause us to ask a lot of questions. Can we be honest about that? We have seen that during COVID. Um, And it even causes us to doubt the things that we once considered to be true. All right? And I've seen that happen in the lives of people, whether it is some of the things with COVID, whether it was some of the issues with racism that we've been with in the last two and a half years, or whether they, a tragedy hits the family, whether a health concern. Um, I just was on a conversation with a, a man of God whose son was born with a very severe um, condition, birth defect, and just really wrestling through God. You know, if you love us, how could you have this happen to my son? It's really caused his truth and his faith to be questioned. Um, he believes in God, but he's wrestling through that. He's angry. Yeah, with God. So I've entitled this message Adrift. Adrift means floating without control, not anchored, not moored. You're not tied off anywhere. It can be used in the sense of lacking aim, lacking direction, or lacking stability. Now, I believe that describes, to a large degree, our nation right now. I feel like our nation is kind of adrift. All right, There's just a lot of things happening out there, but there's no clear sense of direction. Um, people are kind of going this way. They're going that way. There's division. There's hostility. Um, I believe it describes the lives of many people right now coming out of COVID. COVID brought them to such a place that they disengaged maybe from church, they disengaged from some of the things that had produced spiritual health in their life, and now because of that, they're no longer tied to those anchor points and they're adrift. All right? The believers, these Hebrews, had come to Christ and they experienced the forgiveness of God, but now they were in jeopardy of losing what was precious to them. So before we dive in, let's, I'm going to ask us to bow our heads in prayer and then we'll be in chapter 2, 1 through 4. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that speaks truth to us, Lord. It is the living word of God. It is more than words on a page. It is your life to us today at this very moment. And so we ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us, apply it, and make it come alive to us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, 
Amen. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. And I'm going to turn to Hebrews. There we go. All right. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. And so we're going to come back to chapter 1 in a little bit. Therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Because now it has come through the very Son of God, Jesus Christ. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed by those who heard Him. And God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. There's a few things that I see here um, when we talk about this idea of a drift or drifting away. How do we avoid that? What, how can we prevent that from happening in our life? First of all, um, the point will be up there is that we must anchor ourselves to the truth of God's Word. We must anchor ourselves to the truth of God's Word. Because remember, I said adrift means you're not tied off anywhere. You don't have your boat tied to the dock or you don't have it tied to an anchor. You're drifting. Okay? And so the winds of compromise, of secularism, the pursuit of pleasure, all those winds will blow us, those currents or winds will blow us off course and we lose our bearings. All right? We use that term a lot, bearings, but that's kind of a nautical term, right? You're bearing this way or that way, right? Um, based upon the compass, and you, you figure that in. You know that word, um, so before the days of GPS, they would use landmarks, wouldn't they, right? So lighthouses would play a cr- crucial role, especially when they got near land um, in, in dangerous shorelines. That lighthouse was the warning, but also was helped them to know in navigation. They also had tools and instruments, right? I always, you watch some of the older movies, and they take out this thing, and they look up at the sun, right? And it helped them to know where they were at, even in the midst of an ocean, right? So, you understand me? Yeah, you've been out in the ocean, and just kind of like a vast place, right? Even a big lake, you're out there, and it's hard to know where you're at. So when I go fishing up in South Dakota with my dad, you know, uh, Lake Sharp, Francis Chase, those are fairly big lakes. They're not really um, wide as much as they are long, but still even out there, um, you don't know where you're at. You have a depth finder, so you kind of know where the depth is at. But now they have all these neat features. You actually have a GPS topographical, topographical map on there, so you can see where it goes, the ups and downs are. And then I can even see where my where the boat is at, right? It's just just kind of like you have it on your phone, right, on your maps, app, right? You can go, you can see exactly where you were at, almost to the dot, right? Well, the same thing happens there uh, it, when I'm fishing. And so I can know exactly, okay, I'm hitting the low spot here, now I'm going to come back up, and you're able to navigate. But we don't always have that luxury in our faith unless we anchor to something, we anchor to the truth, all right? So how do we anchor to the truth? Um, you know, if you get out on a lake and you want to be in one position, you have a couple options. You can anchor. Um, that's the traditional anchor. So we did that on Memorial Day. We had a pontoon and we anchored, and the anchor got caught in the tree. So that was a little interesting um, underneath the water. 
Yeah. <laughs> Finally got her out. All right. But it was holding us there really good. We weren't going anywhere. All right. Um, so you can use a traditional anchor or you can use spot lock on your tro- trolling motor. So you hit a button and it's just supposed to kind of hold you there in that spot. Kind of cool. Or they have these things called power poles. They kind of go in and they're kind of like spider legs or something. They just go, they shoot down it into the water and they hold you in position. So uh, not real deep water, but 10, 12 feet of water. So, But you have to have a way to anchor yourself so that you don't drift. Because even if the wind is light, or if it's strong, you're going to be blown off course. You have to anchor. So when it comes to us as believers, what do we anchor to? Since the time of Jesus, truth has not changed. His teachings on sexuality, morality, and how we treat others have not changed. But if you look at culture, going back to the times of Jesus until now, things have gone up and down, what people's views on sexuality are, right? Or morality or how we treat other people. Those have changed, but God's Word hasn't changed and His teachings haven't changed. And it's those things that we have to tie off to and anchor to because the winds of our culture, you go like this, right? And you see which way the wind's blowing, right? And it changes. And that's not what God has called us, the church, to. And that's not what He's called us to as believers. He's called us to anchor to the truth. And the only way that we can keep from drifting is to anchor ourselves to the truth of God's Word. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here. So what were the truths that they needed to anchor to, these Hebrew believers? Well, they needed, if you look at the book of Hebrews, you'll, you'll see that they needed to anchor to uh, the truth that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and He's the only way that one can be saved. It wasn't through following the Old Testament law, which they were being tempted to, being pressured, just put it that way, not so much tempted as they were being pressured to go back to an old way of following the law that they'd been saved out of. The truth was that Jesus had died on the cross for the sins and He was the only one that would save them. You know what? And that's a good truth for us to tie off to as well, right? Because there's times you may wake up and you think, man, there's no way I'm saved, right? But you have to go back to maybe a baptism where you were baptized, right? There she is. And Tad, you go back to that. You know what? I made that commitment to follow Christ. And I'm going to stand on that truth. The other truth was that Jesus understands our suffering because He suffered with us and went to the cross. You know, sometimes in our sufferings, we begin to doubt God and His goodness and we think God doesn't understand. Really? He doesn't understand. He knew what it was to go hungry. He knew what it was to have people betray Him. He knew what it was like to have people spit on Him and mock Him as He went up to Golgotha for not His sins, but ours. He knew what it was like to get whipped, scourged on His back, to take the nails in His hands and His feet, the crown of thorns in His head, and to die on the cross for sins He didn't commit. He understands suffering. He understands your suffering. But we have to know that He is there for us and that He understands that, which Hebrews then brings to the next place that He is our high priest. And that is a terminology. That was something that the Jewish people understood. They knew what the priest was there. He was the one that offered the sacrifice for their sins, right? He was the go-between between them and God. 
And now Jesus was the great high priest who was there 24-7 to represent them before God the Father. And He offered His own life as a sacrifice for our sins. That is the truth. What other truth? That faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. That's Hebrews 11. Right? You know, sometimes we, we say, I'm going to believe, but we want all the evidence before we, we put our faith, right? Yeah. And God says, I want you to trust me. Yeah. I want you to trust me. Faith is the confidence or assurance of what we hope for and the things that we do not see. And maybe they needed to anchor to those truths, and maybe we need to do that this morning as well. And maybe one of those anchors has come loose, right? And you need to firm that one up and go back to the truth of God's Word. Our feelings can be all over the map, folks. What we feel from one moment to the next, it's only the truth of God's Word that is, is solid and true. Amen? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of head nodding out there, so that's good. Number two, that means you're staying alert, all right? Stay alert. You know, it doesn't take much to drift or to get lost. All right? You don't have to work very hard at it. All you have to do is not be alert, right? Don't pay attention. It's like the the couple. I don't know why I'm thinking about you, Denise, because you like to kayak, right? So... But, you know, some of the movies where, you know, these people are going down the river in a raft or a boat and they're just having a great time, not paying attention. And, and there's people on shore that are trying to get their attention and stuff. Why? Because there's a waterfall that's just up ahead, right? Yeah. And if we don't pay attention, sometimes that can be us. We lose track of where we are at. All you need to do is not pay attention. You don't listen to the signs. You ignore the signs, the map. You're, you lose your bearings and you're aimless and you're without direction um you know we all have the maps app again there that gives us directions but you know what i even miss turns with that on right you ever done that you have it there it's telling you where to go and you still go why because you kept after a while you kind of tune it out right it's talking there and and then you're talking with maybe somebody else and all of a sudden you missed the turn all right and we can do that with god as well that's what he was telling the Hebrews. He said, you know what? God spoke through us, to us through the angels, through the prophets, and now He has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So if there's any directions that we should be heeding and listening to, it would be whose? Jesus. I heard somebody there, yes. <laughs> Jesus, right? Yeah, you know, the angels were important. The prophets were important. But if you want to get any of those messages, it's the message of Jesus, right? And to pay attention to that. It's to stay alert. But we can sometimes lose track of His voice and lose track of Him. Let's go back to chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The, the author here says, In the past God spoke to us to the ancestors, to the prophets, and many times in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. So in other words, Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just a copy. He's not just a lookalike. He is. He embodies God. He is God. 
Okay? And he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven, so he became a much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. And then he'll go on and he talks about um, the son being more superior to the angels because they were kind of, they must have been dealing with some theology that somehow the angels, their words were more important than the words of Jesus, all right? Don't neglect the message of God. When God is speaking to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit, it deserves our full attention. That applies to us today, doesn't it? God sent us His Son, and He's given us His Word, right? It was written down, and we have that today, and we have to listen and take heed to what God has said. We can't just kind of ignore it. We can't just ignore maybe is a little bit too strong of a word, but just not be alert and heed what God has spoken. So is that ignoring it? I don't know. It's not paying attention, right? Yeah, it's like being in school, right? And the teacher's giving the instructions. And if you're listening, if you're listening, you catch all those instructions, and all of a sudden then you get to that, you come to school the one day, and she says, turn in your homework, and it's kind of like, and your friends go, didn't you hear what she said or he said? And it's kind of like, oh, nope, I didn't. You know, I was daydreaming or I was doing something, right? I forgot. That's not paying attention, right? God has spoken to us through His Word. We have to pay attention to what He has spoken to us. Amen? Number three is keep a tender heart towards God. And this has a couple sub-points under it. And this message may seem a little bit, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm paying attention, right? I'm not drifting. But listen to what he says here. He gives an illustration that is, to me, very powerful. It begins in chapter 3, 7 through 19. And he's giving an illustration from their history, okay? From the people that went through the wilderness, all right? So they were the people of God that, that Moses was the deliverer. He leads them out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the wilderness. They could have gotten the quick track in there, and went in on the south side with Joshua and Caleb, remember that? But the other spies said, hey, it's too big for us, it's too massive, there's no way that we can take them, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And so they would be doing circles in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Until that generation died off. And then they would come into the promised land. But listen to what he says about these people. They were rescued from Egypt, and they, they were on their way to the promised land. Okay, which was a, a type or a picture of heaven for us. Okay? He, says, he says, so the, as the Holy Spirit says, verse 7, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, and through, for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on my oath in my anger that I will, they will never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you develops a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And I'll just add there that it is like drifting. Hardness of heart does not happen overnight. It happens as you drift. It happens as you drift to a place from a place of being close to God to far away from God. It doesn't happen overnight. Verse 13, but encourage one another. How often? 
daily. Right? As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, that we may come and share in Christ, and indeed we hold our spiritual our original conviction that we hold firmly to the very end. And as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they that heard and rebelled? Were they not all those that Moses had led out of Egypt and whom he was angry with 40 years? Was it not with those who had sinned and whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So see it that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And I will say one thing there that I... Um, there are some teachings out there called like eternal security that once you accept Christ, you can't lose your salvation. Okay? Um, I do believe you can lose your salvation, but I don't believe it's overnight. So growing up, I felt like, you know, I felt, you know, I felt like the rapture came. And, you know, I felt like if I made one sin or mess up, boom, I was in danger of hell. I don't believe that. I believe as long as I have faith in God, there is some grace there so that God takes me through the ups and downs. I am saved by faith in Jesus Christ. What sends us to hell is the opposite of that, which would be that last word. What is it? Unbelief. But see, that is what the danger of the wilderness or the danger of drifting is. It can take us from a place of belief and faith in God to a place of unbelief. And it's usually very subtly. It's usually not boom like this. It's very subtly. But it happens. It happens. So who were these people? You think, oh, I would never harden my heart towards God. I believed in God. I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I would never drift. But I can guarantee you, we lost people during COVID that I thought would never drift. We did. Because whether it was the racism, whether it was just being disconnected, whatever, they began to drift. Question, they just got out of touch with God. Not just our church. We're talking nationally. 20 to 30% of the church just disappeared. Right? Drift. Now, who were these people? You know, they must not know much about God. Maybe God hadn't been faithful to them or anything like that. Okay, but these are the people, these are the people that saw the plagues of God upon Egypt. Pretty powerful, huh? They were the people that saw God open up the Red Sea so that they could cross. They were the people that saw water come from a rock to feed a million people. That's a lot of water. They were the people that saw the manna come out daily except for on the Sabbath to feed that same amount of people. They were the people that saw the manna, the, the quail come down and fly slow enough that they could catch them and that they could be fed. They were the people that saw the protection of God in the wilderness. Folks, these are the people that went from a place of belief to unbelief. You catching what he's saying here? If that it could happen to them, who are we to say, We could never drift. We could never drift. We're all susceptible. And the only way that we can keep from drifting is if we anchor ourselves to the truth of God, if we stay alert, 
But he also gives us a couple other things. He says, hear the voice of God. You know, there's that idea of listening. So not only that we hear it, but then we also put it into action, right? To hear the voice of God. So that's number one. But the other one is to encourage one another daily. How do we do that? I think that's why Sundays are so important. In fact, Hebrews goes on to say here a little bit later, it says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Why? Because we need this time. It is great that if you're on Facebook, we're glad that you're there. But, but this time is so precious because this is where we interact with one another. We encourage one another. Amen? Amen. This is where we encourage one another. And we encourage one another because sometimes life is kind of crummy. Sometimes life has some ups and downs. Sometimes things aren't great at work or they're not good at school or, or you just have a bad day. You ever have a bad day? I, yeah, I've had those every once in a while. Right? And we encourage one another. We find out, you know what? So, so-and-so, they're, man, they're, they had a bad day too. Yeah, right, all right. We got something in common, right? All right. You know, not that you're rejoicing that they're bad days, but it's kind of like, okay, I'm normal, right? And we encourage one another. We pray for one another. We laugh together. We cry together. We learn together. That's why the body of Christ is so important. God hasn't called us to be lone rangers. He's called us to be the body of Christ and to encourage one another. You know, if God even drops that in your heart, say, no, I wonder, I haven't seen somebody, or I wonder how somebody is doing, or sometimes God just calls us to pray. That isn't by chance. That is how we can encourage one another through a call, a text message, um, you know, even a FaceTime call or whatever, right? We can encourage one another. Encourage one another daily. I'm going to have the musicians come, Denise. Um, Adrift. I think we are all in danger of it at some point in life. And maybe now, maybe it's down the road. It can be in the hard times, but it can even also be in the, in the successful times. I think sometimes we're, at, we're more prone to drift in the times of prosperity and success. Why? Because then we, we forget to be alert. We kind of coast. And I think those can be sometimes more detrimental than even the difficult times. The difficult times we tend to say, God, where are you at, right? But sometimes in the good times we... We think, hey, I got it all. I don't need God. And so those times can be just as devastating. But we can take precautions from drifting by anchoring to the Word of God, His truth, by staying alert, and by keeping a tender heart towards God. That involves hearing His voice, but also in the encouragement. And that involves other people. I can't encourage myself. Although David says he encouraged himself in the Lord because he didn't have anybody else out there when he was running from Saul. He said he encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen? Sometimes you may have to do some good self-talk that's led by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, But it's sometimes easy to get a hard heart, folks. And it's not because you're bad. It's because you're human. It's because you're human. And sometimes the events of life can impact us more than we realize. And we can drift. Not because we're bad people, not because we're even rebelling. Rebellion doesn't help things out. But it can be just simply because we're not anchored 
to the Word of God as we should be. We're not staying connected as we should be. We're not staying as alert as we should be. Amen? I'm asking you to bow your heads in prayer this morning. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. And then just a prayer over each of us. Uh, But if you don't know the Lord and Savior, Jesus as your Lord and your Savior this morning, um, I'm going to ask us all to pray it. But if if that involves you, would you make that your prayer this morning? And to know that your sins are forgiven and that He is your Lord and your Savior. That you have the hope of heaven. And then you have Christ in your heart. So let's pray together saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. And help me down this road of life. To glorify you in all that I do. And Lord God, I pray for each one that is here today and those that are listening online. Father, Lord, I just pray that we have an open heart to your Holy Spirit. If any of this resonated with us and saying, you know what, uh, I am drifting. I, I didn't realize it, but I'm drifting to where I, where I was and my faith in God. I'm not where I used to be and I'm drifting and I need to be brought back. God hears that prayer this morning. He hears that prayer. God, I pray that you'd bring us back to where we need to be, where there's that fire for you, there's that excitement to be in the house of God, that there's excitement to to share the word of life with our friends and our family and our neighbors. Lord God, that you'd place that fire within us, Lord God. Bring us back to where we need to be. And Lord God, we even pray for our nation, that you would bring our nation back to where it needs to be, Lord. Some of the stuff we see in the news is just, it's a sign. It's, it's just telling us where the hearts of people are at. And Lord God, we just pray for a heart change in the lives of our nation. Lord. Let us be salt and light in all that we do, dear God. Amen. Lord, we speak Jesus over everyone here today, Lord God. As we begin a new school year for college, for our, uh, our students, Lord God, elementary, preschool, high school, junior high. Father, we just pray over our families. We pray over our congregation. We pray over our communities, Lord God. And Father, we just pray um, just to be in that place, Lord God, where we are close to you. We hear your voice, Lord God. We hear your spirit speaking to us, Lord, that we are the church that you've called us to be, the people of God. Father, the winds and the The currents are sometimes strong in our culture. They try to get us off course and they try to get us from where we need to be. But God, we just pray that we can be anchored to your word, to your truth. That we can encourage one another daily. And that you give us ears to hear and eyes, ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord God. What you are saying to your church, to be alert. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said?